listening to Beyond Headlines on 88.7 FM, The Bay. Each week, we delve into issues making headlines. I'm Sabina Hooper. Since 2009, government, businesses, and schools and other groups have marked National Indigenous History Month in June. Now, that includes events right across the country to celebrate First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. North Bay's Ish van der Rassel is a student at Canador College, and he served as a youth representative on the North Bay Métis Council and as the communications assistant on the Métis Nation of Ontario Legacy Preservation Project Committee. And he joins me now. Ish, thank you so much for um, doing this. It's a very interesting topic. Mm-hmm. Yes. Let's um, talk a little bit about what it is that you do. Well, I've had an extensive background in the community. I have, uh, uh, prior to being involved without, um, you know, without Loud North Bay and also with Canada College, uh, I served at, I served on the North Bay Métis Council for about three years as the youth representative, uh, had the responsibility of representing the North Bay Area Métis youth uh, at the local level and then the provincial level as well. We were my responsibility at first during this COVID was to kind of basically check in to see how you were doing to host a virtual, um, virtual, uh, you know, basically workshops, um, you know, you know, that were based on basically, basically educating mm-hmm. major youth on, on what the major culture is in history. Cause there's a lot of youth that still don't know the background at all. And, uh, yeah. we, um, you know, during COVID it was tough because we couldn't do anything couldn't do anything in person but there was a lot of virtual engagement with youth and asking them what would you like me to do as your youth representative because my responsibility was to also bring concerns to the provincial youth council as well Mm -hmm. and to seek input so you know like it was a big responsibility but also was working with the rest of council to ensure that the Métis community was also represented locally as well and also during COVID that you know people were had the concerns addressed as food insecurity and basically preventing homelessness as well. So, I was actually looking through um, your social media and your LinkedIn and so on. I'm like, how is he doing all of this? Like, it's very your your involvement in the community is very extensive, and I thank you for that. Thank you. Now, you and I first came across each other a couple of weeks ago at the Out Loud Drag Show. And that is when it occurred to me that there is no um, or not a lot of information out there about the Indigenous community and pride. Yeah, yes. So what's your response to that? Why not? Well, that's a good question. I, you know, like I I had joined out loud back in March, uh, March or February on the board of directors, um, you know, because I, I had met South a couple years ago and when he first opened up out loud and i had seen the space and i thought it was a really great opportunity for north bay to really have a place for 2slgb you know basically youth in the community and then we hadn't connected for a bit but i i thought you know what i have been an ally for this community for a while i want to join the board of directors and i have lots to offer so definitely i want to join and um they took me on as an advisory member on the board and um, you know, since then it's been great. You know, the board's been very welcoming to me, and then I had also agreed to volunteer for the Amazing Drag Race. I find in North Bay, when it comes to the Indigenous community, um, there's just 
certain groups without basically naming, you know, like anybody, um, mm-hmm. they, they prefer to basically keep to themselves. You know, they prefer to just kind of have their own, you know, like events going on and all that like that. I, um, I hope at some point soon that there's more partnership, you know, when it comes to having more indigenous involvement in the pride, you know, and to SLGBTQ basic process. But other than that, um, it's, yeah, the way that I see it is that it's because they just, they kind of, they just, people have their own things going on, but they also, sure. they just, they prefer to keep themselves. And that's just how it's been going on for a while, so, yeah. Can I ask why that is? I would say that I would have to base it on colonization. I think it has to do with a lot of the, the challenges that the, is that the, you know, is that the indigenous community is still facing with, you know, basically with, you know, with your governments still, still, still controlling, you know, still controlling funding and still controlling how they live and how they basically, you know, run their life. But also, um, I think because there's been, you know, like a lack of awareness from non-Indigenous people about what we've gone through. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Indigenous people don't feel, and I consider this, we don't feel the obligation having to educate over and over again about what we've gone through who we are it should be the non-indigenous people that should be taking that time to to self-educate themselves so i think there's a lot of work on the ground for the governments and the communities to start coming together a bit more because you know there's still a divide there and Mm -hmm. i think it's just due to there's been a lot that we've gone through as indigenous people and to step out of the shell it's not easy so I think you're absolutely right, because when the news of the quote unquote news of the residential schools first hit headlines, I was frankly appalled at my own ignorance. I was like, how did I not know this? Uh And I think that's uh, I'm not the only one. Uh Absolutely. No, I can say that the in May 2021, when that came out. Um, a lot of people, you know, I was in the city of Toronto, you know, on a trip and there was a lot of people who saw that I was wearing a mask of the every, of the every child matters. And a lot of them were coming up to me, you know, saying, you know what, I support this cause. I support, you know, what the indigenous people are doing. And then a lot of people just out of the blue, I'm not expecting it, but a lot of it has to do with, you know, people on the TCC coming to me and saying, you know, I'm so sorry, uh, my of not knowing anything my, and of my ignorance. And I said to them, well, you know what? This is what happens when you're, when you're, when your governments, and I'm not hesitant to say it, when your governments hide the truth and they basically want to sugarcoat it and make it look so lovely. I said, this is the truth right here. This country has been built on genocide. So mm-hmm. I said, the truth has been unveiled. Now it's time for basically everybody to find their spot into walking the path of true reconciliation, that reconciliation where people are coming together, not being basically divided because of governments. Wow. You make an excellent point. And, you know, the government would say that um, they have been responsive in terms of uh, revisiting agreements and so on. And like you said, the public is becoming more aware of what has happened is it enough are we doing enough what's missing um 
I think the public is coming a bit more, a bit more known <clears throat> as to what, you know, as to, yes, the residential school, the unmarked graves. I think that people, you know, the public has to take more time to read, and, and I know it's a long document, but to read the TRC calls to action, to read the Royal Commission's report on basically Aboriginal people, to read the National Inquiry on missing and murdered Indigenous um, women and girls, uh, you know, to participate in events. But I also think that what has to happen is that, you know, we see, you know, more and more of those rallies in Parliament Hill in regards to the lack of action when it comes to missing and murdered Indigenous women. Mm-hmm. We have to have non-Indigenous people on the ground as well, because when we all come together and that rally is bigger, your governments are nervous because it means that their power structure is just basically crippling. It means that basically the people are, you know what, the people are going to have the most power. So we have to have, like, yes, yes, it's happening. I will basically acknowledge that, but there has to be more rigging, but more time to really read the fine line because their governments <clears throat> have kept everything in so long, but they know that the truth is unveiling slowly. So, but we have to have more indigenous people involved in these rallies. Because mm-hmm. when I see them online, it's mostly Indigenous folks. Like, you'll see, yes, you know, like the honking are people supporting, but people have to t- come out of their shell of, oh, my goodness, I do this, I'm going to be persecuted. No, you know what? Mm-hmm. You have the right to basically protest, and, and that is your democratic right in this country. So, you know, it's my point is, is more people have to come together. That's, I think, that's where I see the barrier do you think that um the call to action has been hurt a little bit or has slowed down a little bit now that news of the residential schools aren't dominating headlines i think it's still collecting dust um i do pay i do pay attention to the federal government's um policy and um i was happy to see that you know prime minister trudeau and uh Prime minister mark miller are, are announced the building of a monument that's going to honor the residential school survivors uh, in Ottawa. And mm-hmm. I think that's <clears throat> great because it will attract tourists to really, you know, even tourists coming from out, from the other side of the world to really learn about the dark chapter in Canada's history. But as it's not dominating the headlines, uh, you know, I, I find that there's not much, there's, yeah, there's slow progress on, you know, on discovering more on basically on, basically unmarked grades, but also slow progress on keeping Indigenous children in their family homes and and, and basically preventing them from being taken away from their culture. Yeah. So I find that it's collecting dust. Again, um, there's some stuff, that, there's some recommendations being followed through with, but I find that because now there's a, to- a, to- a totally different focus now that's not even basically related to Indigenous people, um, you know, you know, the government's trying to kind of step back on what they were going to do and what they were promised, you know, yeah. like as well. Like, yeah. Well, we know they have done that. We know, um, I mean, just from what you said, that there is so much that still needs to be done. What has the government done right? Mm. Um, well, if I can give the federal government, you know, like any form of credit, I think was starting the, uh, the national inquiries report, you know, and just, and to really start investigating, you know, like the causes of thousands of indigenous women and girls have gone missing or been found murdered. Um, you know, as I mentioned previously, the monument that they're going to build, um, 
I think also funding uh, the investigations into the burial sites where they found unmarked graves of, mm-hmm. you know, thousands of children. So that was a big step. Um, I think also signing agreements with your Indigenous governments on self-governance. I think that's where I could say the biggest step has been because more and more Indigenous uh, nations, including the, including the Métis Nation, is now starting to go into uh, self-governance now. And in 2019, you know, the Métis Nation of Ontario had entered uh, a... Uh, they had signed their, you know, their self-governance agreement with Minister Carolyn Bennett and basically Prime mm-hmm. Minister Trudeau and that's a big step because now these communities can start determining their own future, they can start building their own resources and services and to be a resource when people need it or when people you know who, you know, coming out of COVID there's now services for housing, for for you know, like for shelter or for healthcare services, they now have a bit more sway over to how they're going to help their own people. So I can give the federal government credit on that, and to you know, and to continue to respect uh, self self uh, self determination. You know, you that is a very good point because I don't think um, a lot of people understand what self governance means. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I um I couldn't agree more. I think a lot of people. I've had people ask me, so what is self-governance? And I, just how I explain now, I'll, I'll explain to them. Some will understand it, and some are kind of like, where can I go and read it? You know, and mm-hmm. usually I'll get them links to go and, you know, like and read. But, you know, it's really crucial for non-Indigenous folks to really understand about what these agreements are, because these agreements are not here to affect you know, like anybody else's rights or anybody else that are that are involved in the Indigenous leadership, these are basically agreements that are going to, you know, assert, you know, all Indigenous communities' right to determining their own future, but also is that they're not going to have your, your colonial governments controlling them and basically saying, this is how you have to run and this is how you have to be. No, we are going to basically go by our own traditions and values and we're not going to basically bow to what the crown has wanted us to do for basically well over 150 years yeah 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 now we have all seen the um stories in the news about the horrific conditions in some um indigenous reserves will self-government help address issues like this so hopefully it would, because it would definitely give the leadership more power with funding and resources and building up the resources to address the poverty, the addictions, you know, with the suicides, the, you know, the crisis with the fentanyl and opiates going into the reserves. I would say definitely yes, it would basically help, but also you want to ensure that you have solid leadership at the table and not a divided leadership where there's one part in favor and one part not because there's issues at the table. If there's that divide, then you want your leadership has to repair that so that so that, so that everybody's at the table and can agree upon, you know what, we have to start helping our people that are dying or struggling and there's and there's so many of them. So yeah, and the mm-hmm. horrific conditions on the reserves, like I'm not basically First Nations at Métis, but mm-hmm. to see the to see the conditions that they're still suffering in twenty twenty three it shows that 
there's still con- there's you know what despite self governance there's still there's still colonization going on because if there wasn't then people then your children and your families would be dying on the reserves. I mean, basic needs like running water, like that's blows my mind. And there's a disproportionate um, number of indigenous people who are suffering from mental health issues as a result. Absolutely. Um, you know, and when there's a lack of drinking, you know, clean, uh, clean drinking water, and then a lack of, you know, like the living in absolutely horrific housing conditions, and then they don't have healthcare services, and then if they need to go somewhere, they have to be airlifted or, or driven a far distance. Uh, those daily conditions are going to push them to going into basically falling into the trap of addictions and it's and it's unfortunate because there's so many of them that have died or so many that are basically you know on that path to because they just think you know what you know what my life sucks it doesn't matter nothing's going to change and that's where everybody has to come together because we can't keep losing the next generation to a major drug crisis that has gone like what i call basically wildfire throughout the nation. Oh, that's horrible. And one point that I've noticed that you've been uh, driving home throughout this time that we've been talking is non-Indigenous people educating themselves and, more importantly, acting. That's crucial because, you know, I used to hear at times something about, well, you know, it's it's not it's not my job to basically educate myself. The indigenous people have to. And I I spoke up one time. I said, no, it's not. I said, we've been fighting for our rights for like hundreds of years. And I said, you know what? I said it's exhausting having to having to prove ourselves and to repeat the same thing over and over and over again. And I said, no. I said it's it's you know what? I said if you're going to be a real ally for reconciliation, you have to do the work. You have to do the groundwork to see how you can advocate for reconciliation and to be that basically that advocate for us because I said we're basically we're already advocating for ourselves in our communities and our and our leadership's doing it but we can't be doing it for you that's Mm -hmm. exhausting work exhausting work um you know on the other point you know at times you know when I was serving as youth representative on the North Bay Métis Council I had done you know some education when I was, you know, when we had a bit more room to basically see people in person during basic COVID, there'd be some people asking about who Métis are, and I would take a brief moment to kind of explain who Métis people are, and they were appreciative of it, but then some of them would be saying, you know what, I will, you know, take more time to learn, which that's what I want to hear, because, you know, I, we've we can't just keep having, you know, being the educators, you have to do it as well, so it's a uh, there's lots of work to keep basically going forward and to really have people understanding who we are. So, Wow. Wow. Uh-huh. Well, you know, that is the perfect way to end this in your interview. We're just about out of time. What okay. is your perfect world? What do you want people to know if you had to sum it up? I think if I was, you know, if I was to sum it up, um, is to really, really take time to learn about what Canada has done to the Indigenous people. You know what, like, we have, you know, definitely, yes, our country 
you know, it's it's great to live in Canada, but there's a dark chapter in this, you know, basically in this country. And, you know, people think they have a human rights democracy, but what this country was built on is genocide of thousands of, you know, of Indigenous people in stolen land. And you know what? It's time for people to wake up and see that truth, because if you don't see it, we're not going to get to reconciliation. So really taking that time to educate, but to also demand action from your representatives. Because yeah. your representatives, if if they don't have a demand on them, they will not move at all. They will keep colonization basically in this country. And this country, you know, personally what I will say, I refuse to see this country kept in colonization. We need to start taking back what was stolen from us and non-Indigenous people, all Canadians, 